0: close my eyes. I'm in a forest full of sound and colour. My feet can feel the pine needles on a path of sand that's edged with moss that turns into forest floor and all around me The colours of ochre and so many greens surround me, and above us the lichens and the mosses hang down and encase the branches like nothing I've ever seen before. And I bow down in reverence and inhale the smells of the forest floor. Those warm pine needles and fertile soil, rich mycelium and roots. And I am in awe and I am in love and I forget myself. And the sound of something in the distance catches me and I stand and I walk towards the sea shore and I can hear raven and eagle in the air laughing and I can hear the waves lapping at the sand and the darkness of the forest opens up into the bright sunlight of the sea and there are barnacle encrusted tree roots where the sea kisses and embraces the trees and there are driftwood tangled in those roots and in the seaweed and salt in the air. And I walk down with the warm sand beneath my feet down to where the water touches and comes in to encase my ankles and out in the far distance of my vision. I see her. I see something swimming towards me and I'm not sure If the seal I see is outside of me, or is part of me, or is the wild selkie within, I cannot say for sure, but I could swear that our eyes connected and we saw one another. And I saw myself once more. I first saw this forest in a dream. Was filled with mossy trails and tall trees and the sound of the sea, and it was so lucid and so vivid, I could almost taste the salt. And I could definitely hear the sounds of raven and eagle in the air. And the second time I saw this forest, I was in a museum. I was in a museum of anthropology in Vancouver, in so called British Columbia, so called Canada, also known as. Turtle Island. And in that museum, I was standing in front of a large photograph. So large it covered almost a whole wall in the exhibition. And I was bewitched by the image, captivated by the sight of a man standing and looking almost invisible within this forest scene this landscape of moss and green where the trees were so covered in moss that they hung like globules these moss branches hanging down and as those moss branches Hung down, the man held up a sound recorder, a microphone. One of those fluffy ones on a beam that looked almost like the fluffy moss above him. And this scene, this image of the silence and the recording, the patient recording of the sound of this forest was enticing and I think it reminded me of my dream and showed me this mossy trail that I continued to follow. So I followed a mossy trail and the third time I was in this forest, I was in the forest itself and I was surrounded by those dripping lichens and the branches that were so fully encased by moss. and trees that were stunted by the bog and this damp silence that was so sensual that the only sane reaction was that of awe and reverence and that you might get in a cathedral and I fell to my knees and sunk into the, sunk my fingers into the forest floor and sunk myself into the forest floor and I lay down and I looked up at the canopy and I guess without knowing what I was doing, without knowing that it had a name, I bathed in the forest and that was the beginning of what I'm now understanding is called forest bathing. So I let the sounds and the smells and the colours become like water and in a bath. (laughs) and seep into my veins and it was a medicine that my dreams had sensed long before I actually arrived at that place and I let in the wild edge of everything and let out the wildness in me and they met on my wet skin and I swear they kissed or at least embraced one another those long lost parts of our self our inner and outer nature. Those thirsty souls. And another word for forest bathing, or the practices of of that nature connection, and all of these words seem imperfect for that embrace, that embodied embrace of the nature within us, that coming home in a physical place, be it at the edge of the world, on the far north-northwest of Turtle Island and the Haida Gwaii Islands, or if it's in the centre of a European city with its hustle and bustle, but it's creeping vines and weeds and silent spaces. So this episode is an introduction to so-called forest bathing or nature connection practices and it's an invitation to grow into relationship with that wild, nature within us and outside of ourselves and to maybe not see ourselves as separate from that nature or set ourselves apart but rather see ourselves a part of everything and so I'll start by sharing some research maybe some resources and short practices and it will be interspersed with inspiration and poetry and spoken word and tangents to go off on like the mossy trail I found myself walking along and in some ways I'm still walking on that mossy trail today so let this be a gateway to finding enchantment and enlivenment in everyday life. inspired me recently is a podcast called forest 404 which is a sci-fi story i know self-confessed sci-fi uh fan geek and nerd and um it's a story plus interviews with experts plus soundscape which i think are the juiciest part of the podcast where you get to listen to 10 minutes of frogs or whales or the forest and i won't spoil the story for you but the essence of forest 404 is someone in the future is listening in a tall tower the sounds of the past, and the sounds of the past are the sounds of our present, and their job in that world is to delete the sound files that are taking up too many of the space in their internet storage, which we thought was limited and we used with so much abundance without believing it may have its limits. And she sits in this tower and she deletes the sounds of our present and she hears the Beatles singing and she goes, meh, I don't know, doesn't seem important, (coughs) delete. She hears the sound of the moon landing, again, of no importance to her, no significance, she doesn't know the context, so into the trash it goes. And then she comes across the sound of what is entitled Forest 404 and she is captivated by the birdsong and the dripping leaves and the crickets and all the life that's in that soundscape and she's transported to this place and she goes on her journey to find the source of Forest 404. Highly recommended. In it there's also a love letter to the forest by I think David Haskell who also wrote Songs of Trees and you know there's The Secret Life of Trees and The Hidden Life of Trees and so many (laughs) tree stories that if you need convincing of the research that is behind so much of this then you can go and read it yourself and if your way into this world is through that research through that rational mind then so be it but better yet allow your body itself to feel its way along that mossy trail of your own making maybe it's not a forest where you find that sense of deep awe and wonder perhaps it's on a mountain top perhaps it's by the sea, wherever it is for you. Go there, spend time, grow into relationship. May this series of short practices help you on that journey. Practice number one. I began this episode with a Sensory story in the first person present tense of a peak experience, a moment of awe and wonder and oneness with the nature within me and the natural world around me. And that is where you can begin. I may never go again to those forests of the Northwest. I may never go because of climate change i may never go because of money but i can go like i visited before i even went i can go in my dreams and i can go in my memories and we can transport one another through our stories so using as many sensory descriptions as possible like any good storyteller will tell you can bring that experience to life and bring the listener or the reader into that experience so practice play have fun with maybe children in your life or a close friend someone that you feel comfortable with being vulnerable and just feel into a time maybe the closest you've got to that sense of awe and wonder and just allow yourself to remember that experience with all of your senses and then describe that or write it down say it out loud and allow yourself to be transported again into that place. And there's a lot of research to say that by activating that memory and using stories to transport ourselves we can mimic and therefore our bodies can gain the benefits of the sensory experience of being in a forest, or being in our favourite places. So this practice can make forest bathing more accessible by allowing those of us who are no longer able to have those experiences for whatever reason to transport ourselves in memory and allowing ourselves to transport others around us through those descriptions. So, that's practice number one. Practice number two is one that I already shared in a previous episode around sensory awareness and it's just called 54321 and you simply look around and sense around you and you name 5 things you can see, 5 things you can hear, 5 things you can feel and then 4 things you can see, 4 things you can hear, 4 things you can feel, 444-333-222-111 and by the time you get to 0 or by the time you get to 1 hopefully those uh, senses are more enlivened and you might be more out of your head and mind and more in your skin. You can also do a variation of that which is also called 54321 but where you name 5 things you can see, 4 things you can hear, 3 things you can feel, 2 things you can smell and 1 thing you can taste and see where that takes you as well. third practice is uh, an extended variation of 54321 which is about widening our sensory experience and reducing our disturbance. So widening our sense of awareness and decreasing the disturbance that we cause when we enter into a space. So this practice is called Owl eyes, deer ears and fox footsteps. And you can imagine that this practice works quite well with small children and if you have small children you may want to play along and if you are a small child or you have one inside you, you may also want to play this game. So owl eyes. We use only a very small amount of our capacity vision and sight and we have kind of um, mammal eyes going out the front of our faces looking out for prey. But we do have the capacity for peripheral vision and we can practice widening and becoming more attuned to what is at the edge of our peripheral vision. So one way you can do this is standing in a space and uh, trying not to feel like you look silly because you probably do but holding out your hands beside yourself and opening them out in a wide circle and wiggling your fingers and just pushing them back so they're almost out of your circle of vision and sight um, and then allowing them to come forward again or up and down so bring them all the way up the top of your head and wiggling them there and just noticing where the edge of your vision is and where it disappears. And you can play this with somebody else where they um, stand behind you and with your agreement and your full consent they um, surprise you perhaps by wiggling their fingers into your peripheral vision and as fast as you can noticing where your sense of sight has been disturbed also, where you see those fingers just moving at the edge of your vision. So that is our eyes. Dear ears, again we use very little of our sense of sound, and this can be heightened and practised over time. For example, I was once on a walk with a naturalist while I was a junior naturalist, and said how many birds can you hear bridget and i named maybe three or four sounds bird calls and he said i can hear maybe 14 or 15 he said the practice is widening our sense of sound in sort of concentric circles and so similarly dear ears if you cup your hands around one of your ears you might actually find that in the direction that you're then pointing your ear the sound is amplified and similarly if you cup your hands with your palms facing towards you um, on your ears then you can actually hear what's going on behind you a bit keener than if you are just listening to the sound indiscriminately. so that is dear ears and you can play with that um, by as well playing a game where maybe other people uh, see how close they can get to you uh, without you hearing them and pointing at them. Um, Various games to play, but if you're alone and you're discovering how to widen your senses, just play around with cupping your ears, closing one ear, cupping both ears, um, yeah, and noticing what's the quietest sound, what's the loudest sound, what's the sound furthest away or the the closest to you and just play a little with that practice and that is deer ears. And fox footsteps is where instead of walking around like a clumsy human (laughs) we put one step in front of the other like we <laughs> normally do walking but one foot in front of the other and as we do so we place the ball of our foot rather than the heel and we intend to make as little sound as possible. And as you do that um yeah notice if you can not snap the twigs around you and really decrease the disturbance that you cause when you enter uh, a space. And just notice over time whether that increases the slow return of the birds or the other than human beings that are in that space. So Fox Footsteps. And Fox Footsteps combined with deer Ears and Owl Eyes is a very fun game to play where you walk along using your peripheral vision with your one foot in front of the other, ball to heel, cupping your ears and on you walk into maybe the woods behind your house or just along the the main high street. And yes you might get some strange looks but hopefully you'll also get some new insights into the world on your doorstep, and you might meet some new creatures that you didn't realise were actually just too scared of your clumsy noises. So that is practice number three. Practice number four links on from those practices and is in many circles called a sit spot practice, and it's pretty much exactly that. It is finding a spot to sit. So a sit spot is a place that you can choose to visit regularly, and as close to every day if you can manage it, but if you're a perfectionist like me you might not want to hold yourself to those standards. But you sit for a while and you tune in to what's happening, so it could be your doorstep or it could be in your local park or maybe you're lucky enough to be by the sea you know but it needs to be hopefully within walking distance maybe cycling distance somewhere where you can go even just looking out of your window and it should be close to where you live and a place where you can observe those cycles going on around you so what matters is that you it's a place that you want to go to and my sit spot is down by the river just behind our house. It's about a 10 minute walk to get there and then when I get there there's a path that's been closed because of a landslip and so people do walk through it because it's a landslip that's not been repaired for a while and people have discovered that you can go through still but fewer people do. Many walk around and across the bridges nearby and so I like to walk in with my fox footsteps and my owl eyes and my deer ears, maybe not all at once but really decreasing my um, disturbance and increasing my circle of awareness and going to sit on the outstretched limbs of this large sycamore tree that bends out across the river and so I'm extended in both the the water and the wood. And since sitting there over the last six months I've been quiet and still enough and visited regularly enough at different times of day, in the dawn, in the night time, in the early morning to see an otter twice, maybe the same one, maybe a different. Um, Less exciting but pretty exciting at the time was a rat and a water bowl and then three baby owls hooting and exchanging and tweeting with one another and then today when I was there I saw a kingfisher. And these may not be too exciting for people for whom those creatures frequent their area regularly but for somebody who lives in a city and who lives with a busy mind most of the time as well. A sit spot can be a version of, I guess, a meditation practice where you can still your mind and allow your thoughts to come and go and dissolve and become one with the messiness and juiciness and sensory awareness of everything that's around us. And there's a politics too growing into relationship to place and specific places as well when we grow up and are surrounded by a society and a culture that is very disconnected and disassociated from not just our own bodies but the body of the wider living breathing earth and ecosystem that we are a part of and so coming into closer relationship with that is yeah i believe a radical act and especially for women who for many reasons may fear the woods or the forests and we don't do enough to give ourselves permission but also make those spaces safer um for ourselves and for others and there's a a story in one of Sharon Blackie's books if women rose rooted by a woman called Viv Palmer who, whose, you know, enchanted way of being with the world is interrupted by a really violent encounter with a man who stands over her and, and masturbates and takes up space and she grieves for the, the sense of freedom that she knows she may never feel again of feeling safe in her body in a green space and um, similarly the work and movement of POCs in nature, people of colour in nature um, that Karen Labby and others in London lead and Black Girls Hike and this increase in representation and reoccupation of spaces, of green spaces by people of colour, of women in headscarves without the fear that they may be called out for being a, a, th- a training camp, um, which is something that a friend of mine honestly said that somebody asked her when she was out with a group of women in headscarves, was is this a secret training camp for ISIS? And yes, we live in that world still. And so by those of us who can speaking out, and taking space and making it safer for those who are still fearful or vulnerable to enter spaces, then that, the empowering feeling of being in connection and being in relationship and growing, you know, putting our hands and our feet in the earth where we live and saying, yes, I am part of this. Um, yeah may that may there be more of that and so yeah a sit spot may not be possible for all of us quite yet depending on our skin our age our gender our sexuality but hopefully by going in groups like the branching out programs with the forestry that i used to run or with nature connection camps such as the art of mentoring camps or woodcraft folk or forest schools like yeah maybe's encounters at an early age and in groups give us the confidence and change the landscape to make it safer and then when we go to our sit spots the aim is simply to notice to settle down and focus our thoughts on the present moment and just using all of those senses that we were described in that story as well sight and smell and and touch and yeah taste if you can you know those foraging weeds and plants around us that i'll do another episode around there's so much out there that is safe to eat although you do need to be careful and you can go to your sit spot in all weathers i was there in the rain today and i got a bit cold but you know be there in the hail and the gale and different times of day and notice the birds and insects and just watch how plants change over the seasons and tune into those rhythms and cycles and notice what rhythms and cycles are going on inside yourself too um and it's maybe not the aim but it's perhaps sometimes the outcome of going to a sit spot regularly is that the world is animate May reveal itself to you, or you may see with new eyes the world as alive, and using our imagination at first perhaps as a gateway to ask what it would be like to believe that the world around us was capable of interacting with us and was alive, just to imagine if the trees could speak. With one another, or that the mycelium was a complex network of communicating threads with those trees. Imagine if, and begin with that imagination imagine if the rocks were ancient beings that held stories of our past. Imagine if the stars had even grander tales. Imagine if the roads themselves could speak as we walked along them. Trees, rocks, wind, clouds, the birds and everything that dances in between. There's, yeah, a whole world and movement out there and books and readings and speakers and many people who are learning the old ways again in our land and our times. And appropriating other cultures and indigenous ways of seeing and knowing but respecting that some people still carry those traditions and that we can learn and honour their roots and their origins and respect that and say yes we have a lot to learn we have a lot to unlearn and so seeing the world as animate i guess is another practice in the toolkit of forest bathing. And so when you're walking around you can say to yourself, imagine if, or what would it be like if I believed that I could? And to add a bit more respect and maybe ritual to your sit spot. When you're finding your sit spot or returning to it, you can, if you choose to, take to asking for permission to sit or be with that other than human or more than human being and to see the tree or the rock or the sea as a being equal to you and to allow your imagination to open up to the possibility that it can hear what you ask or speak. And you may want to sing a song or just say some simple words of gratitude. You may want to take a hair from your head in exchange for the gift or grace of being, you know, greeted in a space which, without your presence, is probably home to many other beings, small and maybe larger, and that you may settle into their usual home and have the patience to allow them to return around you and see what you see, see what you hear, see what you feel. So here's a short poem, if I can remember it, that came out of an encounter at a Work That Reconnects retreat on an island off Vancouver Island, Bowen Island, it's called Tell Me Tall Tree, and it came from exactly that, an invitation of a forest bathing or nature connection practice to ask for permission before sitting in their space so tell me tall tree i ask if i can sit with you and you reply yes if it be so i ask who are you without your names and faces you laugh at me we are you see i ask again who am I without my names and face? You laugh again. We are the same. We are of dust, of earth, of universe. We are placeless, nameless, faceless. We face each other in this place and name ourselves. And before I go on, I have another poem to share by a Laguna Pueblo writer, Leslie Mammon silco who in their amazing novel Ceremony wrote about what it's really like. They wrote about how they see Western eyes seeing the world and how different it is from seeing the world as alive. So she wrote, They see no life. When they look, they see only objects. The world is a dead thing for them. The trees and rivers are not alive. The mountains and stones are not alive. The deer and bear are objects. They see no life. They fear. They fear the world. They destroy what they fear, they fear themselves. I also want to share a piece by an old and new friend and a source of constant inspiration and support Tommy Pockets who sprouted this first verse of something that is spoken word and it's I think as yet unnamed but I've penned it as Tom's tribute to that part of us, the dears within us, that when we look directly at their edges shy and run away and so we may only see their edges. Here
1: it is. I've always known the world was spinning, but now I can feel it beneath my feet. My fingers touch it in the water where the winters warm the seas. My lips taste the winds of change that are forming in the breeze. And my heart hears the drums of life as they burst within the streams. The strings of a violin playing the sounds of distant trees that are talking to their brethren across the mountains and their peaks, through the ground, around their roots, through the tracks within their leaves, through the saplings and the weeds the antlers of the grazing deer lazing in the shady glades made to escape the heat the passages of mother earth tracing maps within the seeds that hold the answers to the life you live in the magic of their seams you just can't hear their voices singing songs of simple dreams when the citadel we built ourselves is a prison for our needs and all our wants are satisfied by the distances we cleave burning sacrificial branches on the bridges in between Building castles in the sky to envisage our retreat The last vestige of a life lost in the limits of a scream
0: to acknowledge in this episode. I want to start by saying thank you to the poets and their sources of inspiration and also to the women and the people of colour who fight for representation in our woods and who've taken up space in ways in which it makes it possible for me today to be in a forest alone and to feel safe enough to enjoy the embrace of a mossy mound and enjoy the encounter of the wildness in me and the wildness of the world. So thank you to all the witches and wizards and others of the past who have perhaps lost their lives or their freedom or their voices to risk taking up space and being liberated enough from chains of oppression current and historical to, yeah, make it possible for m- for me to enjoy those spaces and hopefully to carry on that tradition to make it safer for others who still fear the wildness in themselves and those wild edges of the woods where we can encounter so much beauty, so much brokenness, and we can find ourselves again and again. So this episode has meandered a little, but I want to finish with one final poem, which is by David White. And his poem called Sometimes.
1: Sometimes. Sometimes, if you move carefully through the forest, breathing, breathing like the ones in the old stories, who could cross a shimmering bed of leaves without a sound. You come to a place whose only task is to trouble you with tiny but frightening requests. Conceived out of nowhere, but in this place, beginning to lead everywhere. Requests to stop what you are doing right now and to stop what you are becoming while you do it. Questions that can make or unmake a life. Questions that have patiently waited for you. Questions that have no right, no right to go away.
0: Thanks, you